So it's time to talk about the final two Mission Impossible films, uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, we've now caught Ben up completely. Uh, we're going to start with Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and then go into Fallout. So full spoilers for both of these movies. If you haven't seen them, you've been warned. Uh, but I'm assuming at this point you've probably seen them. Um, so Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, uh, came out in 2015. And I have no interesting factoids about this movie. So let's go into it. What do we think? I will start I really off. like it. Oh, I really like it. I really like it. <laughs> As I was watching this film, about halfway through, I picked up my phone and I sent Brandon a text message. That text message was something along the lines of, how do these movies just keep getting better after the last one? It's true. And yeah. with Rogue Nation, that is true. With Fallout, I will say it's also true, but we're not going to talk about Fallout yet. We'll get there. But yeah, I am also, I, before we started recording, I told Brandon I'm kind of mad at myself for taking this long to watch these because this is, I loved Rogue Nation. I had a blast with Rogue Nation. We'll get into it. But yeah, I initial thoughts, absolutely adore this movie. This is my favorite opening in the franchise, which is, which also has one of my favorite Ethan reveals where he just like, where's Ethan? Can we get this? Can we stop this plane? What's going on? It's really well cut together with between Benji and, and uh, uh, Brand uh, and Luther and having that three-way cut go back, go around. I think it's really well cut. And then Ethan runs over the hills like, can you open the door? And I was like, oh, we're back, baby. We're back, baby. Starting the movie with a big stun. Like, damn, Tom, can't even wait an hour. Are you crazy? I, I really like it. I will admit, I don't know if an opening will ever top the prison opening of, of Ghost Protocol, but yeah, I do really good. like it. It's a it's good movie. Good. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah I once, really... Go ahead, Ryan. I'm going to say, like, now we are now, like, officially, like, in the Macquarie era, where, like, he he and Tom are, like, we are the guys behind there, all this stuff. And, like, I talked about uh, last time how, like... um uh, uh, what's the what's the Brad Bird one I already? Uh, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Ghost thank Protocol. you. Like I love the tone, <laughs> and that is like a like a more kind of like fun spy movie. Uh, and there is a world where it continued that trajectory. And but with Macquarie, there's just something for me that just just clicks with me a little bit more. And not again, like I love those movies. It's just something that I love. That it's just a little. It's a little not more like gritty. Maybe it's a little more gritty. I don't know what it is, but it's just something that works really well for me. Where like the addition of Rebecca Ferguson, um, Macquarie is so effing good at doing action scenes. Oh my god, dude! Um, uh, the the cinematography, uh, like the the so much practical location, which all these movies do. It's just like for me, like this is like oh shit, dude! Like I, we are here, baby. And then Fallout, like Fallout's my favorite. So like uh, uh, I just like it's so I love this movie. It's great. I I want to say that. One of the things that I think is really incredible about this film, uh, especially because like this is Macquarie's first directed Mission Impossible film. He wrote and directed this one. Um, I really appreciate that. Essentially, this is the same plot as many of the Mission Impossible films where Ethan has to go rogue. Uh, the IMF is disavowed. <clears throat> you know, four disavowed the IMF by when the secretary was killed. We're doing yeah. the same thing kind of here. And the fact that they're able to do it a third second third fourth time however many times they've done it and make it and keep making it interesting and keep my investment is actually kind of brilliant and i'm yeah. surprised that that is so because i'm not distracted by the fact that like oh i've seen this kind of already um yeah. i'm seeing i'm seeing new within the familiar i guess it's really well really really good balancing act i think yeah yeah and um please ben 
I will say that, I mean, when I say the opening starts you off quick, I'm not talking about the airplane scene, which I absolutely agree. I was waiting for that. Like, because I, I was seeing the trailer with you guys years ago when this came out, like 2015 or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's probably like a huge part of the film. But the fact that the airplane scene is in the beginning is like, okay, cool, tone setter. But what really gets me is how quick the movie hits the ground and it makes you, and it just like bolts you right. It's like, you hit the word go after the title sequence, like especially when Ethan is there, and he's getting the whole um, like his mission briefing. And the second it says, because we are the syndicate, I'm like, yeah. oh, he's I was thinking he's dreaming. He doesn't know what's going on. All the stuff is like it has to be because, you know, Mission Possible likes to make you think one thing and then like, haha, they pull the rug out from under you. It's like surprise. But then when he when you see um, Solomon shoot the record store clerk, I'm like, Oh shit! This is real. This so is. I, I, I want to jump in because I was going to say as as to to what you were saying, uh, Brandon, about how he keeps it fresh. It's what's been. It's what Ben is bringing up is that you dive in with Ethan having already been on, you know, the syndicate's tail, and so when you get your mission briefing for the first time ever, it's not from the IMF. You think it is until it isn't. Um, it's the syndicate, and they've been preparing for Ethan, and like this feels more like the. I've been ready for you, Ethan, um, in a better way than like two. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the this is the I know how you work. I've figured everything out because I have IMF agents in the syndicate uh, who have defected. And like you're you're cooked like we've got you from beat one. Um, yeah. And that really puts you I think it puts Ethan on a back foot in a way I don't think like right from the jump in a way that I don't think any of the previous films had. Yeah, sure. Um, and I want to mention the, the exception of one. Yeah. And I want to, I do want to mention that like, you know, what's really cool about that record sequence. It's just, it's really well shot. This movie's really well shot just in general. Yes. I don't know if you guys know that, um, but he, uh, we, you can see Solomon Lane in the background. He's in the other booth. He's yes. in that entire scene. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you don't know who that is, then that's just some dude. Um, and I thought that that's just that's such brilliant filmmaking. And the reveal that it's the syndicate's message to Ethan and how it does it. Like normally the IMF would say blah, 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 blah. But we are that. Uh, it's such a good reveal and so well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that 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 Ben's very right. Like it gets you just right into what's going on in this story. Um, it's just, it's just a way we've never had Ethan picked up in a mission before. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, with maybe kind of the exception of one, but even this is, is different. Right? It's, it's so much quicker. In this um, one too. It's, it's like the beginning. Well, and it's like, and it's, it's, there's a different drive, which is like the bad guys already have Ethan. Yeah. At the start of the movie, they've captured him. Um, and in the first one, while Ethan does end up on the back foot, it's because IMF suspects him of being a traitor, yeah. which is a different thing. But uh-huh. here you're like, oh shit, Ethan's already caught. Mm-hmm. Like, where are we going from here? And I love that uh, our villain is again. You you bring up two, and it's actually a good point. Is our villain is a is an ex British uh, super spy, uh, and bro, that dude's too, too smart. And what I love about this movie is, and I know I, I caught it, and it's also in follow because it's this is now serialized. Uh, fun fact: Tom Cruise notes the MCU for helping serialize Mission Impossible, uh, and it is the best thing because like I love these movies and what they're doing with. They, this is like a better MCU than the MCU at this point, like just the way it's serialized and shit. But our villain is so awesome and he's so sniveling and like you don't, he doesn't seem very threatening 
uh, physically, but also mm -hmm. like he does get in the fights and he is a super spy. And I'm like, this dude's awesome. And like, I his like voice alone like makes my skin crawl. Um, mm -hmm. He's so good at being like a, a crazy villain. Uh, uh, I just love it. And I love the idea right. of like, oh, it's the anti-IMF. I'm like, that's such a sort of silly thing. I love it. I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman was my favorite villain mm -hmm. until I met Solomon Lane. Yes. Now, like, I mean, with this and Fallout, I'm like, no, Solomon's the, he's like the best. The one-two punch. It's, yeah. it's, it's for, I'll be honest with you, Ben, because like, I, I don't want to dip too far into Fallout, but it is the one-two mm -hmm. punch. Like, if I went just off Rogue Nation, like when we were watching Rogue Nation, I'm like, this doesn't cap Hoffman to me, not in performance. Yeah. Like, he's definitely getting like, it, as far as like how he's written to be pervasive on Ethan, like it's definitely a grander threat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but Hoffman brings that performance he so does. heavily, but like, it's, it is him having the dual performances of of solomon lane that that puts solomon lane a little bit up uh though i though i do notice like just this like really different tactic on the neurosis uh between this and fallout which i'm not saying is a bad thing but yeah. like you know yeah. he very much shifts how uh, he's handling the character yes sir. yeah i don't want to go too far into rogue nation but i will say the scene that just like got me with or one of the scenes that cemented solomon as what am i i mean i will not lie it does go back and forth between hoffman and solomon where they finally catch Solomon, he's in the glass box and he's just constantly shooting in the bulletproof mm -hmm. glass. And just the at that actor, his facial expressions, like the sheer rage and anger that he is expressing, but he's not expressing it in a normal way. Like when like when you see rage, you like you burrow uh, furrowed brows, just like constantly yelling and screaming, but he's just shooting and, and futile shooting, and he's just like and when the gas fills to him, just like clamoring just to look at Ethan. I I don't know what it was, but just that performance where he's in the gas cloud trying to fight being sub getting knocked subconscious or trying to get out of consciousness or whatever. That was like, this man has hate. That's a mirror it's, from the beginning of the movie too. Yeah. He's a he's a pretty generic bad guy to be honest with you, except that um, what Harris Sean Harris right yes uh, does with the performance is create a character who feels like there's no way he can lose yeah and so when he loses he takes it deeply personal and this does carry over to fallout obviously like he's personally vindictive like uh, after a vendetta it's so much him. more personal but also yeah. again the same thing like end of fallout i'm convinced i cannot lose and it's what's good about what harris brings to the role is that that, that conviction of I'm obviously in control and how flustered he gets when Ethan has him uh, over a barrel in the last bit, because he just could not have possibly anticipated Ethan destroying the disc and memorizing it. Yeah. He just yeah. never in a million years would have thought Ethan would ever go that way. True. Sure. Because little did he know that Ethan has developed a new superpower, which is like photographic memory. Yeah. Three dimensional thinking, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I love, uh, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying um, about Solomon Lane, but I want to mention Alec Baldwin is in this. He shows up as uh, director Huntley, uh, Huntley from the CIA. Huntley. Huntley. And um, that, I mean, that's kind of a cute cheeky reference to the fact that he was Jack Ryan in the hunt for red October. Um, so spy, so CIA spy was with IMF spy. This also sets up the kind of CIA versus IMF thing that McCory plays with in both movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is which I think is kind of interesting that he, he's playing with that idea. But Hunley is the one who 
gets uh, the IMF taken down and he, go ahead. I was just going to say, which, which importantly, like CIA is not a fan of IMF to begin with. Yeah. And as Hunley references it ever since they broke into a CIA yeah. uh, place in the very first film to yeah. steal a bunch of names. Like I thought that was a really good way to organically be like, yeah, CIA is not a big fan ever since they did that. <laughs> um, And you know, because like the IMF also like they can do more than the CIA. Like they're, they have the gadgets and the fun stuff, but he's jealous. Um, I think I think Hunley is actually a really good character that I liked I liked following in both these movies, and he has and he's in one of my favorite scenes in the whole franchise, um, sure. which is the the you know the best line of the whole franchise. Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. Of destiny, and now and right now you are his target. Cut to Hunt's reveal. Hunt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. That's the such a and everything. That's such a great moment when because you're like Ethan's in the room. Who is Ethan? Like, if you haven't seen the movie, it's like, which one of you is Ethan? Yeah. The thing is, like, what what I realized watching these two this week is um, what Macquarie has managed to do is, like, these movies should be cheesy. Yeah. They should yeah. be too cheesy. But somehow they just aren't. Uh, and, like, they're doing all the things that should make them too cheesy. But they, they just don't feel cheesy. He's doing it yeah. all, like, in, like, it's serious earnestness. Like, like it's, it's very much like, we know what we're doing is ridiculous, but like, we can, we can like, we can have fun with it when we have fun, but like, we do take it seriously. But, yeah. And like, and, but like, even with the like zoom in and the hunt, like it's a funny beat, but it's not a funny beat that breaks the movie. It's it a different type break, of It doesn't comedy, break though. the tone of it yeah. in a way where like some James Bond movies couldn't escape this and felt too cheesy. Yeah. Um, it, it, Mission Impossible 2, frankly, in my opinion, couldn't escape yeah. it. Uh, but something here he's able to to inject that kind of feeling without letting the movie feel like it cheapens itself yeah. by and, doing that. and if you look at renner's performance in that scene also it, it's very kind of over the he's kind of becoming a little over the top it's like you know athlete shot me yes he did sir now the prompt is uh, like he's he's kind of playing up the scene a bit and he's kind of fun in that way but again it doesn't break the movie they're, wa yeah. they're walking a really fine line with that tone I, yeah. I I'm a noted Jeremy Renner hater. Uh, uh, I think he's 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 fun. I think he I think he's he gets better in each one of these movies. You know what I think it is? I think it's that Macquarie knows how to guide the actors to center their performances around Cruz because Cruz himself can be cheesy. Yeah. Mm. But because of the way that he orchestrates the film around Cruz, that doesn't feel cheesy. And therefore, when the other actors are meeting that level and working in it organically because he's crafted them to, they also don't feel cheesy. It's yeah. yes. Because they are meeting Tom Cruise on that level. Yeah. This is a, this is a movie where one, one, one guy pulls out a flute and turns into a sniper. And then a woman pulls out a gun from a scaffolding. And then Tom Cruise is like, who do I shoot? <laughs> There's two assassins. And There's like, another guy pulling out a submachine gun out of a nightstick. Yeah. And the scene is the scene is both hilarious and tense. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I wanted I wanted to say, but you know, once again, Tom Cruise proving he's a very good physical actor. There's the the scene when he gets blown into the air the airplane right when, uh, in the beginning. Oh my god! Oh, oh what a shot! Oh. And and he does the and like the guy comes down and you just see and you just hear and you just turn around and and hunts they like. Uh, <laughs> and like he's he does not a word and he's just kind of like. Yeah, <laughs> it just fails. Yeah. I um, actually love. Oh. 
Well, I was going to say that, that like real quickly, Ben, just like, I just think Cruz like proves once again, how physical of an actor he is that, that that's just because he can be really funny when he wants to be. Yeah. I wanted to also highlight another scene that I thought was absolutely hilarious um, that I thought it was funny, but also with like um, Spark said, uh, Christopher McCoy knows how to ride the line between cheesy and not cheesy and still make a, like make a really good intense movie. One of the scenes I loved was when they're in Morocco and then the motorcycles zoom by and then, uh, and then uh, um, Brant and Luther in the car and they're trying to turn around. He's like, you just had to get the big the high speed chase. Four, high speed chase. You just had to get the four by four. Yeah. And they're just bicker. They're bickery. And also I, I, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, was it this more far off where they're in a car, they, they drive past each other, and then Benji goes, hey! That's, it, that's, that's, it. that's this one, right yeah, before yeah. what okay. you're talking about, the 4 by 4 is where he crashes like, in. There's a moment where they just look and they're like, <laughs> and then they have to go. Because yeah. like Ethan is still out of it because he was just dead five minutes ago. And he's right, just like, right, 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 he's right. looking. Talking about? This movie, this movie is like funny. Some of the fallout's even funnier. Like, 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 there, there's some really good shit in both these movies, and I'm like, there it's is. not as overtly like, ha ha, uh, uh, but it's like, it's all really good. It's like, it's yeah. a lot of good physical stuff, like, right? The, into, like, like physical comedy. The Moroccan sequence is, is, is the, especially the chase sequence is so funny. And like, oh, oh, right. I wanted to mention because Ryan brought up Renner, and I actually, I'm not really a Jeremy Renner hater. I quite like him, um, especially when he wants to be a little bit more funny. Um, mm-hmm. So here, I think he's great because he's yeah. he's able to play with this with with this version of Brandt, and he's able to kind of play off of Tom Cruise and there and the Luther Brandt dynamic works in a way I didn't know I needed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. really I really like them. I like that scene where they meet each other, and Luther's like, "I know Ethan. I don't know you." Yeah, uh, and like his loyalty to Ethan is so strong, but Brandt's like, "Look, I swear to God, I'm on your side. Yeah, I need you to do this." Um, the way that they they get on each on board with each other is really good. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think the movie uses Renner really well. I think it was a really smart decision to take him back to the role we start with where he's assisting the secretary um, and put him back in the position of like kind of trying to manage what's happened to the IMF rather than being, you know, another Ethan Hunt out there. Yeah. You know, he's got field skills, but I'm glad they don't try to push him into that mode. Like he could be out there. He could be doing some of the action, but like they don't try to have him be side by side with Ethan. Yeah. Um, They know that he works better for the franchise in this role. Mm -hmm. Sparks. I can neither confirm nor deny without the secretary's permission. It's very good. It it really works for him. It really works for his character to be in this position. And and I really like it. Um, I think it was a really, really smart choice. One of the other things I absolutely love about this and obviously with Fallout, because like you guys said, Rogue Nation is how the, the Mission Impossible films started becoming more serialized and the events of the past have consequences for the first one. That Senate hearing, when they, like when when uh, um, Huntley, um, Alec Baldwin's character, straight up says, is like, yeah, we're not big fans because, you know, they broke into the CIA to steal stuff and they mentioned what happened in Ghost Protocol. They have, they're mentioning stuff in other movies, but even though they're just mentioning stuff in other movies, to me, because a lot of those events have consequences, even though they're not major consequences, there's still consequences that the IMF and Ethan have, have to go through in these movies. The fallout. It, well, and like Hunley, Hunley makes a really good case that I think is is accurate, where he's like, to be honest, some of their successes from, from a <laughs> gathered perspective look a lot like chance and mm-hmm. luck. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not wrong. Like they have 
Ethan's good, but like a lot of it has come down to just getting very lucky. His superpower that's, is luck. That's what that's what the second that's what the next film is it plays off really well. It's like this is we've just we hope and we and we got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that I think that's very valid to put it in this perspective of like while while you are rooting for Ethan, you are on Ethan's side. We have followed him. He is our he's our protagonist for the series. Uh, it's not like Hunley's cases here are wrong. No. The IMF, yeah. especially in the hands of Ethan with the way they handle missions, like Hunt just believes very hardly that he will get the codes back in Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's okay that they get the real codes. And Hunley's like, that is effing insane. Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand that that's crazy? <laughs> A missile uh, clipped a building because of how close you cut it. Like, not confirm it's, nor it's, deny. It's a valid argument, but it doesn't change the fact that it's a thrill to watch Ethan do this. Absolutely, shit. yeah. Mm -hmm. I like. I really. I like seeing Alec Baldwin's kind of trajectory and and to to what Ben Sparks was kind of playing off of. And I was kind of saving this this note for Fallout, but Macquarie has such reverence for the previous entries in this franchise. It feels yeah. like he has been the shepherd of the entire franchise when he hasn't. Um, every every entry has been written by up until this point a different person and so you have him really like tying it all together in such an organic way that makes it feel like one cohesive franchise even though the first four entries in this are largely standalone mm -hmm. yeah I, I, I think like it does feel that with Rogue Nation Macquarie came in and looked at all the previous Mission Impossible and said what works and what doesn't and I'm yeah. keeping what works and I'm not going to deal with what doesn't. And what works is, is the thing that we're, we're going to focus on and, and keep plugging away with. So like what, what is great about Ethan, what's great about Luther, what's great about how these characters rely on each other, how these characters connect to each other, mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I also have a note related to that, that I'll save for fallout, but, but I think Macquarie well, like really gathered an idea of, <sighs> kind of boiling down formulaically like what is the strongest stuff inside of the mission impossible franchise and then how can i uh uh take that to the next step is this the one where with the locks where you put it in the door and you see the lock yes. lock lock oh fuck. yeah every That's time the opera. every time i love it. oh the opera scene um but actually one of the things i wanted to what i like what i really enjoyed about mission impossible one through four was that they were in anthology stories in a way mm -hmm. as in each one as spark said they're their own story they're their own thing you don't i mean they might have a quick little mention but with these two obviously they while it's not a bigger cohesive narrative they're still more or less standalone mm -hmm. it does help watching the other films yeah and it's not like one of those is like oh you have to watch all these films to understand what's going on in this film you don't but it kind of helps it helps I mean, because we get a better picture of who ethan mm -hmm. is as a character when yeah. we get to rogue nation and fallout especially we we know what the line ethan is willing to cross and what he is doing this for largely mm -hmm. and that and so that is the value that macquarie kind of went to by being like oh well i'm looking at what works what works is ethan is pretty consistent not mm -hmm. as not no so much in two so he discounts too but like you know he is pretty consistent all throughout and he builds on on who ethan is has been except the rock climbing except the rock climbing does come back uh i think i think the other thing about it is that he zeroes in on letting the world and the characters acknowledge 
the the history of who Ethan has been and what Ethan has been put through, whether that's through Luther or through um, this comes out more directly in Fallout, but like Solomon Kane uh, is pushing an argument to Ethan, like you should really just be part of the syndicate too. How many times has have they screwed you over? Yeah, and it's yeah. fair, like it's a fair argument to bring up at this point. It's true. Um, that like the majority of the previous Mission Impossible movies are someone, if not the entire IMF. Kind of screwing him over. I yeah. bring, bring bring up Solomon Kane and the Syndicate again. I really like the idea of the Syndicate, where like uh, uh, England was like, we want an IMF, so we're gonna make the Syndicate. Solomon Kane, help Solomon us. Lane, sorry. Solomon Lane. Solomon Lane. Not the, not the uh, 18th uh, century vampire man, hunter man. Um, Lane. <laughs> Solomon Lane. Like, hey, we want you, Solomon Lane, to be our Ethan Hunt, and he's a sociopathic man. He's like, all right, this is not gonna work. We're canceling this. Uh, he didn't cancel it. He kept it around. He's like, I'm gonna do my thing all over the world. I hate, I hate, I hate governments and shit. So like, he's gonna kill a bunch of people, and that's great. I think that's great. I think it's even better in Fallout, like the direction it goes in Fallout. Um, but like, I just think he's a really cool villain. I like, I just like the idea of like, you know, about uh, so many missing or dead agents joining this this rogue nation. Like, again, I hate bringing up Mission, uh, Mission bring up Metal Gear Solid. Like, that is the entire plot of of Big Boss's thing. Is he is a man who wants a nation for soldiers because like the military industrial complex spits out soldiers and kills them. And like he wants a place where they can live freely and be mercenaries. He's also a, also a mass murderer, so he's a bad guy. So I'm like, sometimes these people shouldn't have, be in power, like Solomon Lane. Not everyone can be an Ethan Hunt. Uh, and I think like it just shows like. Ethan Hunt is really special. That's a special dude. He has super luck powers. Thank God for that. Um, and uh, kind of speaking to s some of what you're saying with it, um, I think that no, I lost it. Go ahead, Brandon. I'll find it again. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna shout out because I think we kind of, we kind of passed over the opera scene, which I think the sound design in the opera scene is incredible. Um, the way they kind of mute some of the some of the people sound effects and just have the opera music playing, which yes becomes part of Ilse, Ilse's theme uh, later in the movie, which I really like. Um, I, I love her. Good. I was going to say, I think everything about the opera scene is so well constructed. I think the use of the location, how they compose the shots, where they are throughout like the building, wh where they go, how the they travel. The big man fight. Um, uh, all of that is is really, really excellently um, executed. And it's so, it's so like the antithesis of the uh theatrical scene you got in quantum of solace oh sure, sure. yeah um one of the thing one of the things that's so interesting about about that scene specifically is it also showcases probably some of my favorite gadgets in the whole franchise uh which is the flute gun the flute rifle which is oh, yeah. incredible um oh, yeah. the laptop in the book yes in the oh, pamphlet oh, for the opera dude. is a laptop oh so yeah. good yeah some of the best I, um, gadgets are in this one. Yeah. And then I as, Ryan, as Ryan mentioned, the key gadget is my favorite also. Yeah. It's the way they use it. Um, I love Simon Pegg in all those movies that he's in. Mm -hmm. uh, like when Simon Pegg is on his laptop, he's like, join the IMF, see the world from the basement. <laughs> and yeah. Simon Pegg is just an absolute treasure. Um, oh, I, real quick, on Simon Pegg. Sorry, real quick. He was playing on his three Dell monitors, Halo 5 Guardians. I and they that. wanted you to make sure. Did you guys see that I was playing Halo Five Guardians out yeah. this November? <laughs> and I'm just like, man, sometimes marketing is really funny. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of Benji, what I think makes Rogue Nation so special and work is while we have our team, um, Luther and Renner are separate for a lot of the film and trying to be supportive and find Ethan, but they are separated from him. Mm -hmm. And Benji also is for a time, but catches up, and so you get a lot of. 
Benji and Ethan time and them mm-hmm. in the field, just the two of them, which feels really nice. And then, of course, yeah. Ilsa getting on top of that. But like just putting those two on their own. Benji feels really good. <laughs> Thought he's going to the opera. My guy. Oh. Poor guy. I, Benji has a has a moment where he where Ethan's like, you need to go. I'm sorry I wrapped you into this. Here's what you say. And he, he has this moment to stand. It's like, no, I'm your friend. I'm going to do this. Uh, right. I'm going to do this. I really like Ethan's like, OK, we're yeah. doing this. Yeah. You're right. I, Re- I am a field agent now. Regardless, yeah. regardless of what I might say on the the polygraph, uh, you are my friend. Yes. yes. Good liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say he had me believe him. I was like, you don't really think that, do you, Benji? But you have to cover. Yeah, because there's a blip at the end, like the yeah. last. There's a little blip, and you're like, oh, Benji. Yeah. Yeah, Benji. Yeah. Um, the scene I really want to talk about. Then when I was watching it, it, to me, it was like, this is one of the most beautifully shot chase scenes I've ever seen in my entire life was the motorcycle chase scene through Morocco. Oh, yeah, for sure. That scene was so well shot. It I would because there are times like I am not like that stereotypical guy that whenever you see a car chase, I'm like, oh, yeah, car chase. I mean, car chases are cool, but you see one, you've seen a whole lot of them. Yes. This one, I was on the edge of my seat. I was 100 percent engaged. I was. Like my heart was racing when they're bobbing and weaving throughout when the when the syndicate goons are shooting or they're or when Ethan like gets some to trick into getting hit by other cars. The whole thing with Ilsa when she steps out in front and I'm just like the whole time sitting there going, they had to have hired MotoGP racers for those for those stunts because that is some crazy shit. Uh, um, yes, but also like there, you can watch some behind the scenes shit of Tom Cruise doing that shit too. He's, oh, yeah, he yeah. is a truly <laughs> an insane person. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So, I, and he can, he can hold his breath for six minutes because of this movie. That's, so that's, that's the thing is like, uh, that motorcycle chase scene is gorgeous. I think that the, the dive into changing the memory card, uh, scene and that cutting between that and Benji about to walk through and you know, what'll happen if it can't read him. So tense, dude. Is, is oh, the shit. most tense scene that they've created since the first one um i think it i think it truly truly captures the same kind of like a modern new version of what the first one was trying to do in a way that none of the previous mission impossibles to be fair didn't really attempt to do yeah i don't think anybody tried to recreate or outdo the first one um and this one i feel like brought us back to that tense uh uh heist oh no here we go uh, and you know, like while we're hearing the sound of the water, otherwise it's silent. Yeah. Uh, scene. And and again, we have a beautiful moment after where Ethan almost dies, and we get great comedy of Benji. Like Benji's like, that was so easy. I was like, barely an inconvenience. As Ethan is literally dying in front of him, like, oh right, I wasn't they, doing the hard part. Well, and they do a good job of letting you know who Ilsa is, right? Even as she will, she will screw them over in the next beat. Yeah. Um, she saves Ethan. And like you know from her saving Ethan, like okay, Ilsa's not the bad guy, y'all. Yeah. Um, there Ilsa, may be stuff going on, but she yeah. is not the bad guy. Ilsa Faust is the best. Ferguson is the best thing to happen to this franchise in such a long time. She's so because like because we've gotten like new characters here and there, but like she 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 is just such a talent and such a such a force. Uh, I also just love her in Dune. She's just incredible, and she's a vampire lady in in uh, uh, the Doctor Sleep movie. She's great. So uh, real quickly, I don't I want to go back to the uh, tank sequence. Um, especially after it, because uh, Ryan mentioned we get we get a really good scene after after that, and we get a really good scene with Benji, um, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Which is really good because we, when we're setting up that high sequence, and I got I want to talk a little bit about the heist, which uh, Benji is like, oh, so we need to hold your breath for three minutes. You can do that, and Ethan, and it's like, oh, you need to hold your breath for two minutes, three minutes, and Ethan's like, 
Uh, I guess so. <laughs> like he's like, yeah, why yeah. are you telling me I can do this? Volunteering him for it. Like Ethan can do anything, and Ethan's yeah. like, uh huh. Um, <laughs> I think that's very good. I also noted uh, because we watch these so close to each other now, um, and I'm very curious if Dead Reckoning will continue this trend. When McCory gets behind the wheel, we always get one imagined how it'll go sequence. Oh yeah, which is we get the one where we think Benji has put on the mask and what he's doing, but they're actually imagining how it'll go. So Benji still doesn't get to put on a mask in this movie. That's true. Um, uh, and but then like in in Fallout, we'll get it again when Ethan's imagining what he'll have to do to get Lane out to kill all the cops, uh, and we yeah. come back and I and I find it interesting. We don't get that a lot. The imagined how it'll go sequences. Imagine dragons. One of the things that I find so interesting about high sequences um, is the setup, because on paper, if you were to be like, hey, OK, so we can use that. Actually, you can't use that because it's da 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 da. OK, we'll do that. Well, you can't do that because da 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 da. It's like you're making things up as you're going along. But because you've got like cool heist music and it's well, it's well shot, you're like, OK, so we can't use the hash because OK. And you're setting up all these problems it, because you have to pay them off later. Yeah, uh, you have to pay, pay, pay off all these problems that are going to go 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 on. So it creates this like really interesting tension. And just like I think Macquarie gets like the what's the word I'm looking for, which is the um the uh of a uh the the oh boy um skeleton of a high sequence skeleton is not the right word but like um foundation yeah I guess we're kind of in the same ballpark with foundation um yeah the he kind of gets the gets the uh gets the foundation of what a high sequence needs to be um and 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 that's just really cool really fun to see yeah yeah uh, i think yeah mccory uh these are like all the mission impossible movies are are you know complicated to some degree it's a little spy shit the thing that i that i super appreciate oh, about, oh it was dna no. the dna of a high sequence there you go dna um what i really love about mccory is that he is he both of these two movies are almost overly complicated with the amount of times that like Solomon Kane is three steps. Solomon Kane, goddamn it! I Solomon Lane, up. no, it's okay. Solomon Lane is three steps ahead. He that's he that's what he thinks. What you want to do is what he thinks we got to do. There's a lot of that stuff, like trying to be three steps ahead. And like in other movies, that's really annoying. And I've watched shows or TV shows where like your villain is so smart, he's always three steps ahead. But like in these movies, like it all always makes sense to me, and I feel it. It never feels like like a stretch. Uh, 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 I, I just think. Like the overcomplicated nature of these types of movies, like I think they just they they flow really easily in these two movies because like they can be really confusing about whose side you on. Elsa switches sides every five minutes, but I think the trajectory is very easy to to line up for every character for both mm -hmm. movies. I want to yeah. second what Ryan is saying because I also agree that when there's like oh you have to think three steps ahead, this guy's so smart he knows where your every move. It's like he has ESP or something. In other in other franchises and other films and television shows, that can be annoying. It's like for crying out loud no they're not but this one even well but mission impossible especially mission impossible i'm like i lump all the movies in it for this one you have to think all that step ahead but even when you as an audience member think you know what's going on and then they do the famous mask reveal every single time in this one and especially in fallout we'll get to there i am just like oh like when they when the mask comes off like when um when when the major plan is revealed, I'm just like, oh. yeah. I think the I think what's really interesting, what's really good about how the mission films, just in general, are written. Um, we get 
because Ethan's such a strong character. Um, he gets to play a really obsessive version of himself here that gets played up for us to believe that maybe Renner would second guessing the plan that they're going to come up with. Um, and he has this moment because he's like, you know, Lane's already thought of all this because he, and he sounds like a madman. Yeah. But he's right. And that's what makes Lane so scary is because no one believes Ethan that this person could be this bad. Yeah. Yeah. I love Except Ilsa. Yeah. I love, Except Ilsa. And I love, and I forget the, um, the, like the, 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 the Ilsa's uh, British guy, like the evil guy who, Atlee. Atlee. Thank you. Yeah. Like when he shows up, I'm like, no, oh, this guy, I can tell he's bad news already. Um, and I love that, like, <laughs> I love that the phone is under the newspaper and she put the thing on there. And like, that's a very specific, like, you, that's very specific that had to happen. And I'm like, that's just spy shit. That's so fun that like, he knew that was going to happen or whatever. Like, I think all that stuff is really fun. And you have to go with the flow of like coincidental type stuff. Like, what if she didn't put it directly on top of the newspaper? Like, would, would those files have been deleted? Like, I don't really care. It's just fun. Like, I just like, it's just a go with the flow fun. I think you're absolutely correct when you say that Rebecca Ferguson is one of the best things to happen to this franchise. She, she's incredible. Um, her scenes with Ethan are great. There's one moment in in Casablanca, Morocco, whatever, when he and she are talking about what this heist is going to be, like setting up like this is the list of all the people that Lane ha has in his service and this is and Lane sent me to get it. Benji is talking in this scene, but Ilsa and Ethan never take their eyes off each other when they're even when they're talking to Benji. Um, I thought that's such an interesting character choice to just say, just see that kind of level of trust that they've already built yeah. uh, in, su in such a little time. It's it's I don't know that it's that Ethan has ever like he's definitely met other cool super spies, but like to meet someone that that obviously he's attracted to but like someone that's on his level that like understands the world that he lives in uh that's not that's I, not someone like his wife like i think that's like just like not something that you get to experience in life very often so i think there's just an immediate like you're you are almost like belong in my life type of feeling i think i think what it is 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 with her introduction ethan knows the same thing he knows is true about himself which is that ilsa is a person who is doing this job because she cares about saving millions yes but she also won't do it at the cost of a good person. Yes. And and Ethan is also that person because it's the choice she makes about coming close to blowing her cover to save him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That it yeah. is like, I, this is what I would have done. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's what ultimately endears him to her. They're similar, yeah. Is is that she has that same compassion that Ethan has. Yeah. Um, Sick-ass scene also where he's just like, screw it, and hooks himself up over oh, the pipe. God, yeah, like the salmon oh, lighter kind yeah, of thing yeah. from Arrow almost. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really love, I really like her. I'm glad she's carried over this long. Same. Um, oh, the, well, I do want to focus a little bit more on the um, getting the Prime Minister scene, because I just think that that sequence is so... Prime Minister Cutler Beckett? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think that I think that that's such an excellent scene because uh, like I said before like you know that Ethan is in the room somewhere. You know he's one of these people. You just don't know who. Yeah. Alec Baldwin kind of realizing who Ethan Hunt is in the moment of being like uh there is no person he cannot become. There is no there's no uh thing that he cannot do. He's the greatest person in the whole world. He's the living manifestation of destiny and he has made you his mission. Mm -hmm. Um it, one of the greatest lines in cinema history and you're like okay well you're not ethan and yeah. th but then at lee 
shooting the prime minister and revealing yeah, yeah. Ethan. You're like, baby, yes. The yeah. the way yes. the way and the the uh, again like it's very funny, but Hunley's hunt delivery lands so well because Hunley has been talking about hunt this way, and then they are finally brought face to face this in this scene. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it just it works so well. By the way, shout outs to uh, the lead into that scene. If you look in the car lot before they head inside there is an aston martin very particular one parked oh. out front uh which is cute and cheeky and fun sure it is because specter filmed in the same location oh mm-hmm. that makes sense that's cute um yeah okay um oh the six months bit where it's like mark your uh, set your watch brand ethan is living his last day as a free man six months later six months later <laughs> <laughs> very <Yeah>. good <laughs> And also, uh, like, the whole takeaway that they think he's in Cuba, and then he turns out he's in Paris the whole time, and it's just like, <laughs> And I really like the, re- the like, the syndicate reveal, and once again, going back to that greatest scene ever, um, where he's, like, uh, where they're, like, uh, something called the syndicate, and the prime minister's, like, at Lee, tell me they're not talking about that syndicate. Yeah. Do you mean our syndicate? Right, yeah. And he's got uh, that, that, and he's got this, this moment, I think that's such a good reveal. Yeah. Yes, and then, and then Hunley being, like, the syndicate is real. Yeah. <laughs> um, the myth. I think that's really good. I really like, um, I really can't stress enough that I think Peg plays with Cruz so well. Yeah. I think he has in the previous films, but like they're just in a groove uh, that, that I think they were in a groove last time, but like it, they play so well together. Clearly Cruz has a good time or he wouldn't keep doing it yeah. with Peg uh, in all the movies, constantly having him be the voice in his ear and the also, way that they banter to each other. Yeah making him a field agent was such a good idea because there yes. was a world where he was just like another, like Luther goes in a field too, but just like he, Benji is just the tech guy. Mm-hmm. And he's just like the flash, the, like from the flash, like, oh, I'm just sitting at the computer all day. So they like, have done a good job of diversifying this sense of like, they are both tech guys, but their tech's expertises are different. Yeah, he's like, and, yeah, yeah. And like one can do the field work more than the other. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, um, there's the, and we get like Luther once again, being one of the best characters in the franchise, uh, there's a line. There's a bit when, when uh, Ilsa and Ethan are they're sitting they're sitting together in the mall area, and Ilsa mm-hmm. presents him with all the options, and then presents him with, or we can just leave. And you hear uh, Ilsa's theme play a little bit, and then you hear hear Luther go, "Oh boy, yeah, yeah," <laughs> because, because he's like, "Oh shit, this could work." Yes. It's a similar feeling to the end of the Batman with Batman and Catwoman. We're like we can get out of here. And I'm like, Bruce, say yes. <laughs> yeah. And Luther knows that like, oh shit, Ethan could say yes. Hell yeah. Um, and, and like, he, and like, that's a really, that's, I really like the, how that scene is shot, by the way, like how we get the other people in the, in the ear. And then like when, when else is like, you knew the disc was blank and, and, and we hear Benji first say, no, no, no. That was an exact copy. But we, every camera angle center not centers but like we can see either luther brand or benji at every camera yes. level uh, until we can't see benji yeah uh, when he's captured i think it's, i think that's just such a cool framing device yeah and Corey's a goat he's the goat um okay uh oh there's a sequence sorry i really like this movie so i wrote down just some things i really liked which is when they're running through the streets of paris nope that's paris? fallout where, where are they run? Whatever. Uh, before, before they get laid into the box, there's the Ilsa and Ethan are running through the streets and they kill two people in a car in front of them and then both jump over the car. 
Yes. And I was just like, that's sexy as hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Because the because the setup for that was earlier after Ethan comes back uh, from from the and he, he crawls over the thing. Oh yeah. After like, his heart stops and he and he and he gets ju- juice backed up and he's like, I'm totally fine. And starts running and stumbles. Yeah. yeah. I, I love so much Benji being like, Well, you were just dead five minutes ago. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> It's really good. Uh, I really like that sequence. Ben Ben mentioned the 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 motorcycle chase being really great. It's the car chase for me, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because of the drift into the two motorcycles and then hitting the dude with the other car, which oh, is yeah. so good. That is good. It rips. I love that sequence because it's just such a cool like drift motion. I like that movie. Um, some things I highlighted are uh, I think this was an example of just the humor still being good is like when they come down the on the rope from the opera and the the thing was loose and then it falls behind them. But what I really like is that Ethan just wound his tie very quickly around his hand and used it so he mm-hmm. could get down that rope. I thought that was slick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a great scene between Ilsa and Lane uh, where um, she says, are you questioning my loyalty or my ability? Both. And, and, and then he was like, can't decide. Yeah. Can't decide. Uh, I thought that was really good. It's a strong Lane setup scene. Um, yeah. I really, really love Benji insisting to Ethan that he is his friend. Uh, like once he knows what's going on, he's like, I'm staying That's the end of what we're talking about that. And like, Ethan's like, Okay. Got it. <laughs> Got it. All right. Jeez, why are you getting so upset? I am an FBI. I, the, the scene, the scene at the end in the diner in the, the restaurant when Benji is talking as uh Lane yeah. is a is a really tense and good scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very good. It's I really like good. the I really like at the end of it when the, when they're gonna take Ethan and he's like, if they come any closer, shoot me. And Ilsa yeah. just immediately like Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like she's she gets the exact same thing he's doing. It's like this is how we put Lane completely off. It's also fun that he he literally says, I'm gonna put you in a box, and he really does. He yeah, really yeah. Does. <laughs> I love it. Uh yeah. Benji, Benji in the car when when Cruz is chasing the the motorcycles for the first chunk, uh, and just like scared out of his wits, just stare, yeah. stare, stare, stare. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of bumpy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I like the I like the bit when when they're backing up when they're backing up really fast. They're like, do you have your seatbelt on? You're asking me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when the and car just flips barrels. Over, yeah, when the car flips over, uh, it, which is a great action beat, and then it sits there for a bit, and then Benji like, <gasps> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is a good movie, guys. It's true, every word. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Anything else? No, I uh, uh, I can't fight the friction on this one. Can't wait, wait I think I think the score is pretty good in this one, but yeah. I do, I do think I still prefer Ghost Protocols over this one. Yes, for just music. Yeah. Uh, I it's hard to top Giacchino being jazzy. I agree. Yeah. I agree for this movie. Yes, I I. Outside of Ilsa's theme, being coming back and be using the opera riff, um, that I, I agree with that. I, I it's, like that. It's a good, it's a good score. Yeah. There's, it, it's not a bad score by any means. Um, yeah. I just, I really like what G Kino did with the previous one. Oh yeah. Um, uh, well, Ryan, I really love you... the, the scenario that they set up for Baldwin with Atlee. Just, just highlighting that. I think the way that they talk him into it is like, and this is what you did. Yes, exactly. And he's like, I'm, I'm very grateful. <laughs> um, it's, it's a really good, it's a really good way. And like the, the turnaround at the end on how Hunley becomes the secretary is, I think, yeah, an excellent like beat and end to the story. In this, he movie. tried to take him down, then he joined them. That's what the IMF um, does, baby. 
Yeah. And just the last shout out for the actor who played the Bone Doctor. I think he's just a, one of the best henchmen we've oh, had. Oh, yeah, the Bone Doctor. Yeah, like, I, I, think, like, I think, yeah, like, yeah. just like every time you see him, like, you're pissed off. Yeah. And I think he's just one of the best henchmen that we've had for one of these guys yeah. in the movies. There's, there's a great line where he talks, where, where Ethan in, in, the, in the restaurant sequence at the end says, um, uh, you'll have to use the Bone Doctor to get this out of me. Um, yeah, yeah. Where I was like, oh, yeah, baby, this is good. Bone Doctor. What a reputation. Um, okay. Shall we? So rate it. So so who? So Ryan, because you said some final thoughts first. Why don't you rate it? I will give it. God, these are all good movies, man. I'll give this a nine out of ten. This is, this is a great, 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 great movie. Uh, Sparks. Yeah, really solid entry. I think it's really fun. Um, I I think like it just it just misses uh the mark of perfection for me. It, it's just a little below. I think um. Lane, I I like the performance of Lane more than I like the actual characterization, like like the character motivation mm -hmm. of Lane, um, and and that's the one of the big things that like holds back for me. But otherwise, I think it's really really solid. I give it the same rating I gave Gross Ghost Protocol. It's a nine. It's a Gross Protocol. Do you know what rating I gave Ghost Protocol? Not off the top of my head, no. Well, whatever that rating is, let's say it's nine. It's nine. I'm now. sure. Whatever. I'm sure it was a something point five. <laughs> Uh, let's just say it's nine now. So yeah, I'm a, I'm I'm a nine as well. This is a great movie. Yeah, nines nines across the board. This movie was great. Can't fight the nines. Um, okay, so then let's move into Mission Impossible Fallout, aka Mission Impossible Six. Um, once again, this came out in 2018. Once again, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. He is the first director to return to the franchise, nice. and. My interesting factoid about this movie is that he didn't want to. He thought it was very important that every Mission Impossible film was directed by a different person. Um, yeah. He felt that was the 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 the, the joy of these films uh, is the different creative voices. But and Sean Harris, by the way, was supposed to die at the end of this movie. That was in his mm -hmm. contract. Sean Harris did not want to do a franchise. He didn't even want to do this movie. They convinced him by saying, "You can die at the end of Rogue Nation," <laughs> but. The, the way McCory told it on the Empire podcast mm -hmm. is that he he had this idea that Lane that uh, Ethan needs to break Lane out of prison for some reason he hasn't he hadn't quite gotten the whole thing but he had that idea and he went to he went to Tom Cruise and according to McCory Tom Cruise turned around before McCory could even say anything and said I got to break Lane out of prison in the next movie <laughs> so then they had to convince Sean Harris to return to not die at the end of Rogue Nation I refuse. <laughs> um but like he said like like, like he said he, he thought it was very important so that idea convinced him to stay on as director but he hired a whole new crew in order to make it feel like it was a different movie than rotation that's, that's cool that's fun um so what do we think of this one this is my favorite i love this movie i i personally i think this is almost like a perfect action movie like and the fact that it's two and a half hours long and like for me it's like a breeze um, I think it has the best action. I think it has the best like cinematography. I think like I think the villains are uh, are, are one a oh, great one two combo. I think like Tom Cruise just like continues to impress me with everything he does. Like he's just he is so committed as a performer. Like that dude just like wants to entertain us so badly. Um, and I love it. I think it's I think this is a phenomenal action movie. Uh, Sparks, um, just excuse me real quick. Uh, just... Copy paste. <laughs> Love it. I didn't know that. That's great. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, this is not my favorite in the franchise. It 
surprising me, surprising even me, is still Ghost Protocol. Um, but this is a great movie. Once again, another excellent Mission Possible film. I don't think from three onward there is a bad one, and I can't and I can't imagine that Dead Reckoning breaks that trend. Um, so yeah, I I I love this one. I think this one's awesome. Look, this it, it, if two weren't there, this would be a a all all good franchise. Yeah, yeah, uh, all bangers. bangers. Yeah. <laughs> I all even good. I all good. even yeah. hey even I think too is better than than the the most of the reputation it has. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. Sure, uh, Ben, what do you think about Fallout? First time watching Fallout. How do these movies keep getting better than the last one? It is not fair. I don't want to say this is my favorite. I actually feel I, I mean now obviously we haven't seen Dead Reckoning, but I feel like Rogue Nation and Fallout are really good back to back films. They, they really are. are. They pair they, very nicely together. I mean, I want, I don't know if this is a cop out, but like Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout—they're my top three. Yeah, I love these movies. I had—I mean, Ghost Protocol was—it was a great time, but with Rogue Nation and the start of Fallout, where you get the dream sequence where he's getting married, like the second the Paramount logo disappears, and you see—sorry, I'm just gonna dive right in. I hope that's okay. Um. The second you see Ethan and Julia, the fact that they brought um, Julia back, I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. That what's going on here? And right. Because you, you think it's a, because you're kind of clocked into it being a dream sequence with Julia being there. And you're like, yeah, oh, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is when they got married. And then yeah. it's Lane. And you're like, but what the but we've watched God. the film recently enough. We know that's not when they got married. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because they, they got, got married. So you know, you, if you remember, you know, this is not how this went. And then once Lane starts saying all like to lie to her, to live your double life and all this stuff. And then he goes, what? And then of course, when it goes to Solomon, cause I had no idea. Cause I mean, I thought they just got to put the, it was up to, up to rogue nation. It was standard. Bad guy either dies or gets thrown in jail. That's, that's what happens. And then when the, it cuts to Solomon and it's like, you should have killed me when he had the chance. I was like, Oh, so they what happened? Yeah. Yeah, they all, so I was like, oh, okay, so he's being haunted by the, the events of the last film. All right, cool. But then when Solomon gets back into the fold, I'm like, oh, this yeah, don't go too, don't go too far. No, no, I won't go too yeah. far. Uh, but this movie was great. So I, the first time I watched this, the first time I watched this, I didn't realize that this was the same character, that Solomon Lane was the same character sure. because his beard. It was incredible, and it just completely changes his face and the lack of glasses. And he it, he yeah. functionally changes the performance, which is fine. Like yeah. the character can be affected by what's happened to him. Yeah, I don't think it's like such a huge departure from the first film. That's a problem, or from yeah. the previous film. That's a problem. But it but it is a different performance. Let's be honest. Like it doesn't have the same like eye twitching. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> kind yeah. of energy he's that more, he had. Yeah, he's like he's less offensive and more defensive in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really, uh, uh, the opening has a new, has once again, a mission, uh, uh, your mission should you choose to accept it, where we have the introduction of the apostles. Mm -hmm. And so the opening of this movie also kind of is a thesis statement on just Ethan in general, which I really like. I like that Macquarie is really interested in who Ethan is when, when he is presented with the option to save the uranium or save Luther. To him, that's not an option. It's save both. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. if I have to save anyone, it's Luther. Yeah. Um, 
And I, so I really, I really like that kind of conflict that he has, which, which Hunley rightfully says it's his, it's his greatest strength. Uh, before you get too far down that, because I do have things to say about that, I did want to highlight like the apostle stuff. What I think is so great about doing the apostles, doing the still fallout of the syndicate, like getting Lane did not mean the syndicate was done. Yeah. Um, is it, it again, like not to be too mean to, to bond, but like, it feels like a better execution on Spectre. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know, yeah. like on the idea of here they all are and they are all individuals with goals and things and they work inside this organization, but they are, they are all dangerous. Um, and so you kind of have to be concerned about the ones that are still out there. Like it's not just over because Lane went away. Right. Uh, we get the introduction or the, the named introduction of John Lark, um, which would, which we know who, who that becomes. Um, but yeah, I really like how they set up Ethan in this film being this idea that he's not a person who will trade lives ever right um especially of his friends he will not like to him as Henley says to him all lives are equal essentially right i didn't mean to say that and um to but, to your to your point that being like again macquarie having looked at all of the films I'm like what is a through line of ethan this is who ethan is mm -hmm. yeah. um and this is who ethan has been since mission impossible one we made a mention of it when we were talking about the review there that like very quickly we see that ethan is unwilling to give up on the lives of others like he that that's the whole thing like why does john voight is john voight able to pull the trick on him in that movie it's because he leaves his position because he's unwilling to sacrifice people on the team yeah for the mission um and that's who he's been from the beginning uh and i think they do a good job of bringing that here but it's also something i want to highlight about why i love ving reigns in these movies so much and why i love luther is because luther has also consistently been a person who said ethan I'm never worth more than the world. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically him. He's he gets, like, he gets the mission. He is always like the, the, the general population being saved. That's the most important thing. 100%. And he's been like that voice of like, Ethan, you have to be the person to save the world, regardless of what happens to me. Mm -hmm. He's done that time and time again. So I really like that. It's put directly in front of us at the beginning of this movie of it's, it's Luther and Luther saying, don't do it for me, Ethan, not yeah. for me. And and what I, and this relationship that we now have with Hunley, who who has now joined the IMF solely because of Ethan Hunt, because of how much he believes in this dude. Yeah, he's like Ethan, you really messed up by allowing that plutonium to get away. But I know you're such a good person that you're gonna fix it all. I'm I'm not I'm not really worried because even though you caused the problem, I know you'll fix it. Because if not, right, then and, we'll that's, and that's what he that's what that's what he's confused about the CIA director, the new CIA director, who's um Angela Bassett. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, I don't know her name. I'm gonna look her character. Um, and she, she Erica Sloan. She come, Sloan. Uh, she comes in and she's like, uh, "We don't trust you that you're going to do this." And and Alec Baldwin's like, "Hey, look, I was there too, but you know what? I was wrong, and you're wrong too. Let's let's let this dude do it, do his thing." I've been in your situation. I see how you see it, but trust me, like this is actually on purpose. They're they're good. yeah. Which I think this is one of. Oh yeah, I guess I haven't seen a lot of, a lot of his performances. I really like Henry Cavill in this one. Um, he's very he's very Love good. Him. I honestly like. I also haven't seen him besides like his early like Hellraiser Seven. Like it's his DC stuff and like and Man and from Witcher. Uncle and Witcher. Uh, and I think he's actually he is good. I, I really like him in this movie. He's really good. In he's so Uncle. good at being like the big macho American assassin uh, who also is our is our bad guy. What what I think is so <laughs> yeah. good about. Cavill's character in this film is that he feels like he never feels like he's 
they do such a good job of not making him feel like he's the same as Ethan. He's yeah. a threat. He's dangerous. He's good at what he does. He's not the same as Ethan. Ethan though. is a is a is a is a, uh, a scalpel, and he's like a hammer. Right. Yeah. Like like Lark Lark is good at at the killing. Yeah. And but he's not res as resourceful as Ethan. No. And like I never feel like they 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 try to even them out in a way. I feel like it's always that Lark is constantly put out of spot because he can't anticipate what Ethan will do. Yeah. And I feel like that's consistent and well-written that like Lark can be good at getting up close and personal and, fin and, and finishing the job. Yeah. But he can't predict Ethan and he can't, he just can't, he's not that kind of guy. He's no. not resourceful enough to do it. He's not able to utilize his environment the same way Ethan is. He's just not that sharp. He's not sharp enough not to get caught. Yeah. Uh, like that's just, that's what it comes down to. And, and I think that's really, really good. Another incredible, incredible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the whole Henry Cavill of it all. I mean, I by the way, uh, quick, quick little thing. When I was watching this movie, um, I was watching with, with Zara and she said, um, when she saw Henry Cavill, she's like, Oh, mustache gate. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I can't believe you remember that. I honestly, uh, when I finally saw this movie, it's like, ah, oh, that's right. The mustache looks good. And looks it's very good. It's, good. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love yeah. it. I love it. Worth, worth every, mean. every does that, this mustache is the reason Warner brothers has fallen. This, this mustache has, <laughs> has been the cause of Warner brothers downfall. Indeed. <laughs> no, <laughs> because it's been 300 million. Green lighting a justice league movie. I know. Before BVS. I just want to, I just want to say a mustache is the no, problem. No, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, since we're highlighting Cavill, I, I do think like Cavill, Cavill works for me in such a way of feeling like um, he, he feels so real, like a real person inside of this agency, like a real double agent, a real like I don't have all the information to uh, outcraft Ethan at every turn. Like I, I've got my knowledge and skill set and that should be enough to carry me through now shit it's not yeah um and and like that that really makes him feel in a way stronger as a character because he feels he feels just as fallible for the same kinds of reasons as ethan he feels yeah. just as human yeah um which is something i don't think they've nailed with villains in the past uh again like i i i said like the idea uh, from the previous one was a better execution on like the idea of Mission Impossible 2 like being able to know everything Ethan would do but this character in particular Lark is the better execution of the villain from Mission Impossible 2 yeah he might not do the exact same job as yeah, Ethan, yeah. but like he's in the same uh circle of of work and he feels like a real person who's limited by his skill set in the same way that Ethan is at times yeah I really appreciate that he's the one to deliver because he, you know, he wants to suspect, he wants the CIA to suspect uh, Hunt as being John Lark. And he says to, to, to Angela Bass's character, Sloan, um, you know, how many times has Ethan been disavowed, been betrayed by his government? And to <clears throat> someone who doesn't know Ethan, yeah, that does sound bad. But to us, the audience, Ethan would never do that. That's not who Ethan is. Um, also, what, what I love about rewatching this is that you can clock when you know it, you can clock he's John Locke from this scene because the way he is so intense about delivering the speech, he's like, 
Think about how many times he's been disavowed, this and this. How many times until a man has said he's had enough? Well, and like you're talking about another guy. Why are you so angry? Well, bro? and not not only that, but that McQuarrie does such a good job of framing the moment when Ethan pulls the phone out of who he thinks is John Lark's pocket so that we see that it's smashed. It's smashed. Ethan can't use it. And then yep. we focus on Cavill specifically saying, this is the phone we got off John Lark. And you know that's not the phone, which yep. means you know he, mm. you don't necessarily know for sure he's John Lark. But you know he's full of shit. You know he's messing with something's up now. Yeah. Uh, Love it. The bathroom fight is incredible. Obviously. Man, like, them, it's one of the best action scenes in the franchise. Right here. I, think this, I think this has the best physical fight and it has the best chase. I think I think the stuff happening with, with uh, Ethan escaping and with Elsa. Uh, Elsa, Elsa uh, like Tom Cruise like getting hit. Like getting hit in, on a motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, all that shit. Like the truck and stuff. Like all that shit is, is incredible, dude. It looks so good. Uh, it's like... It looks. It all looks so real. Like they are really. This is like I. I. I enjoyed Indiana Jones, but like half the time that looked like I know it wasn't real. Like this is some real ass practical there, shooting. A lot. A lot of the chase stuff that's done in this movie is actually done on the streets of Paris, and you can tell. Yeah. And it mm -hmm. looks really, really good. It looks really, really, really good. Go ahead, Ben. When they're driving around the Arc de Triomphe, and I'm just like, how the hell? Did they get one of the busiest roundabouts in the entire planet so yeah. they can shoot this movie? John How did they do it? How well, John, do Wick it? Four, John Wick 4 is is green screen yeah. uh, for the Arc de Triomphe. Uh -huh. But um, I, I think, I, I don't know if necessarily going around is actually there, but the lead in and lead out, mm -hmm. that is real. Yeah, I'd have to look into if the actual going around the Arc de Triomphe is, is yeah. real or not. I, either way, the fit that you're right the action scenes in this film look absolutely incredible um i was like i love the motorcycle chasing in morocco but i will agree that the the chase scenes in this one are also just you're on the edge of your seat the whole time like the like the second when ethan slams the the gas to knock the armored car into the water and starts the whole chase all the way to them awkwardly open the garage door to see that random police officer writing a yeah. ticket. I mean, I love, I love, I love the moment with that police officer because she, uh, because Ethan is very clearly like, leave. Just walk away. You, well, and like, and like, here. you know, you know, without knowing that Walker's a bad guy, right? He does know Walker will shoot her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. just from knowing Walker's profile, that's the kind of thing. It's like, and it's again, like kind, of, out. kind yeah. of going to the Mission Impossible 2 thing again. Like, you know, Ethan had an idea of the bad guy. Like, Ethan has an idea of who Walker is yeah. and how mm -hmm. he'll function. And he knows, you know, like his, his, I think his fear genuinely in that moment is it's both what the cop will do in that moment, like if she'll pull a gun or something, but it's like, and what she'll do with it. But it is a concern that Walker's going to shoot her. And he's yeah. like, I really need you to just go. Again, this goes back to like I won't I won't trade lives, um, yeah, right. and when when she is shot, he retaliates to the people who shot her, and then makes sure that she's okay before yes. leaving. Yeah. yeah, dude's like a for real. He's a superhero, like for real. Yeah. Like he's 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 such a good person. Yeah. Uh, now, before we get too too far into this, we do have to talk about one of the most important things in this movie, and one of the best scenes, frankly, which is that Benji finally wears a mask. Yes, and it's Wolf Blitzer. Oh my, dude, that wolf scene. I forgot that entire like I forgot all that. I'm like, man, they really I remember got <laughs> I remember sitting in the theater and it's like nuclear attacks that have hit. And because Ethan, Tom Cruise is selling the performance for Ethan yeah. that this has happened and pissed him off because yeah. he feels like he failed and that there were three nuclear attacks around the world. And I'm like, oh shit, Mission Impossible has changed yeah. forever. I, yeah. That 
effing scene. There are two scenes in this film that got me so good. This is the first one because the whole time when that dude wakes up in the hospital bed after Ethan gets loses the plutonium and you see him wake up and you hear the situation room theme, whatever. <laughs> and I'm just saying, Oh, this is why it's called fallout. And it, it's, this such, is- it's so interesting. It's so interesting because how, of how it's framed, right? Because the Wolf Blitzer sequence, we, we don't focus on Wolf Blitzer. Like he's a main character. We focus on it. Like he's background noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's such a so, so brilliant to frame that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really love that. Um, between this and Rogue Nation, like Macquarie's really run a gamut on like the mass technology. The fact that it couldn't be used in the previous one because, frankly, that place built security so good to anticipate that that technology. Exists. Oh, the facial. Tics. And so you have to like know the walk and everything yeah. in the gate, and then you get to this one and the a lot of the goal is like hoping to copy john lark's face and they can't um but the wolf blitzer thing works and it works because it's kind of like it, when it is revealed it's like a fun gag yeah and those always land with the mask bits and then when you come back around uh for the mask again in this film it's you're not ready for it because you feel like you've gotten your mask gag yeah, and yeah. like it's it's such a good built into reveal moment but not too big if you know what i mean yeah um just the way that like Every director, I think, since uh, th- since two has been good at measuring, like, how do we use the mask? Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. where do we use it and why? And they're all different. Yeah. And yeah. They, they all find their own ways or to or to not use it to the credit of four. Um, and I think McQuarrie finally personally pulling his trigger on how I'm going to use masks. And this one is done very effectively. Yeah. There's a similar moment to four in this one when they can't get the mask, uh, the, the face uh, after John Lark, when they're like, Okay, we'll just go in and hope they haven't met. And and Walker is like, "Oh, you mean hope?" And Elsa's like, "Yeah, it must be new." But like, that's the same thing. Like, we just have to hope they've never met each other. We did that in mm-hmm. four. Let's see. It. Let's see if it works again. Oh, right. Vanessa Kirby's also in this movie. Oh my god, so, so many as, wonderful people. As something I didn't catch, Max's daughter. Max. Max from the first movie, the older lady who helps Ethan get the te- oh. get the get the money on the train. Definitely did not catch. No, I, re- I re- nope. yeah, I definitely didn't catch that. Okay, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's because mm-hmm. I, I remember that she, I remember that she was related to someone from the first movie uh, because McCory was talking about it. And then this time when I was watching it, because I've watched them all in, su- in such quick succession, uh, and she's like, "Let's talk about my mother." Max was such an interesting, and Ethan has a look like, "Oh, Max." That's right. And I, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's really cool." That makes sense. Why she's in, she's connected to the world in some way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did not catch that when I first saw it. Now that you said it, I was like, oh, shit. I remember oh, cool. that. And, and I'm very happy that she and her brother are returning for Dead Reckoning. Hell yeah. Uh, her, her French, annoying French brother. Yeah, yeah. She's, so, she's so good. I love Vanessa Kirby. I think she's excellent. I just, um, so having her in this franchise is really fun. I especially love her, like, being kind of into... Being a bad boy. The idea of whoever she thinks Ethan is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's uh, also like doing the double agent thing because she's actually working with CIA and like mm-hmm. she's just like, oh, you're a bunch of murderers. This all seems very well, fun. And I love her getting on board with Ethan's like, you know, are are they here to kill me? Are they here to kill you? Yeah. Either way, right now, I'm your best shot out of here. Yeah, yeah. All right, I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, great knife great. fight. Great knife fight in that the like, bunch of dudes attacking. Good great stuff. Uh we we uh just going back to um talking about like the guy they have that they trick on the bed in the hospital and all that um uh his i get a little confused and i really tried to pay attention in this film about 
whose ideology it's supposed to be. It's Lark's. Uh, right. And like, it's it, it, the weird thing is that like, I really like Henry Cavill in this movie. I really like the performance of him in this movie. I never get the idea that I can connect the dots on that manifesto to who he is. Sure. It presented in this film. I'm like, these things don't feel like they completely one-to-one -one line up. It feels more like it should be the manifesto of the other guy who's in the hospital bed. Like he, the way the characters are presented. I know that they say it's Larks. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I was ready for that. And I'm like, man, I just don't totally see this sure. guy who wrote a manifesto in Henry Cavill. Sure. Marks, I'm just saying, ripped people can also type on a typewriter. That's not what I mean. Can you imagine? That's not like, what I mean. <laughs> and my fingers just, are so big. This is a big dude. Uh, just like I, I can feel do this. you. I get that. Um, like definitely that the doctor's like, you know, this is Lark's manifesto, and if you read it to the world, that's enough. And then like to counteract that, like when it is revealed that Lark's like, you know, when when I wrote those words, we really don't go more into that than just like yeah. he hates the government. So like. It is this kind of thing, like he is just like a, a better version that's, of the MI two villain. That's kind of the thing is that yeah. I didn't, I didn't need him to like have a scene with Ethan where he like expounds on why this is his belief system. Yeah, yeah. But I do think you had an opportunity for him to say it to Lane. Yeah, that's true. And like, I just, I just feel like I could have used a little bit of that like oomph of like you are saying like there's a villain in here who has like an ideology because we have broken down that like what Lane was after was like breaking the system and he wanted money to do so in the previous film and now he's just about revenge. Yes, and he's just kind of like attached himself onto what Lark wants to do. And he's like, well, that's a perfect way for me to go about doing this. Yeah. He definitely seems Lane definitely seems like more unhinged. And like, by the end of the movie, he's just ready to, to die with the bomb. Right. He's like, my mission's complete. I'm going to, the world's going to suck after you this. You can't stop me. You can't stop it. Oh, yeah. Damn it. They stopped me again. Damn it. <laughs> um, the, the, the second mask reveal that we've alluded to a little bit uh, with, when it's revealed that Benji is actually Lane. It's it's so good because you don't see when the switch happened, no, um, right? And and when when and Alec Baldwin is like, uh, you know, when he says like, I'd give you a loaded gun, but this one's loaded though. Yeah, yeah. Takes <laughs> out another gun. I'm like, dude, you, you, he's oh, like, you I got doing, the guy. You were doing so well up until then. That might be <laughs> that that Lane one might be my favorite mask reveal too. Well, and, and it also happens again in Fallout. Like, the thing like, is, man. the thing is that it's a good reveal. Um, it's a good, it's a good play. I think uh, Harris does a good job of like when when it starts to break of playing Benji, being Benji. Yeah, like yeah. when when Benji loses Smirking. confidence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I think he captures it. Um, again, like it showcases Lark really well. Like Lark is confident and hot headed, and so like it take he takes too long to Catch think it. of what Ethan would do. Yeah, um, and I think that really plays for the character. It's really a solid beat, and it also is like my favorite bit of Baldwin in the entire film. Good acting, sir. Yeah. Um, I would. He 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 gets killed with a with a, by a stab in the chest, and I'm just saying, if this was the Star Wars universe, it wouldn't even be a scratch. Yeah, there was real quick because I'm about to say something. They like when that happened, the Sparks and I were like, "So did he die? They didn't, you know, they didn't show his body." And then Angela Bassett's like, <coughs> and and Agent Hunley, who always believed in you, speaking in the past tense. Nah, he's dead. He died. <laughs> <coughs> um, I was going to say that second mass reveal had me just like. <laughs> bewildered like because you, like you don't see the switch you don't see that was what i was talking about how these master like the mask reveals in this in fallout are my favorite ones because mm -hmm. they completely subvert your expectations you're constantly like who's who you're like second guessing everything and i love it like yeah. this i mean honestly everything just goes like tits up for the, everyone else but the fact that like for a small second like when 
when uh, Henry Cavill is essentially talking to Lark is like to not to Lark um, to Lane and saying like yeah, I wrote this disc I need this plutonium I need X Y and Z and then the fact that he gets got but then it has own, his own trump card because he had members of syndicate in that strike team. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know this is a win for the character, for the, for the heroes, but I know something really shitty is about to oh, go down right now. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the go moment when he's, when they think they have Lark and he, and he oh. says, go, uh, Do you? which is, parallels the, the moment, the, <clears throat> the first mask reveal with Benji and Wolf as Wolf Blitzer, when he says go. And then they, you know, because that's, that's in a, I don't know. It's a nice parallel. I like it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, 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 oh, we got him. Yeah. Oh, do you? And again, <laughs> this is like, this is one of those things where like, this movie, when you look at it, it's like really complicated. Like we just had like a reveal and then upon another reveal and like, but it all just, it flows so naturally. Like, I'm never confused. Like it all, I think, it's, just, it's just really well crafted. And I think, I think the good thing that these films do, especially this one, but in general, is that they never, while they will have other characters doubt Ethan, they never let you think that. Yes. And like, it's yeah. it's not just because you follow him. It's because you always see the flaw. Even if you don't get all the information, you see the flaw in why they think that. Yeah. yeah. So that you are never put in the position where you are doubting Ethan. And I think that's where it would get too confusing. Yeah. Um, if you had to like in that scene, like question like, oh, God, has Ethan lost his mind? Mm-hmm. Has he made up the syndicate? Has he you, you never have to be in that position? Yeah. And I think that's really smart because that's where it gets too muddled when you have to like doubt. You have to you have them grounding you. Yeah. I love, I love our final, our final confrontation in the location that it's at, bringing Julia in, like the <clears throat> ultimate revenge. Like the second that Julia sees, sees Ethan, like, oh man, what he is, was here for. Oh vac- man, he was here on vacation. Yeah. No, I'm working. No, I'm working. And, and like that being the clue in for her, like, shit. Like the I'm so sorry when they when they speak for yeah. just a less second. I, I, I really like bringing back Julia because again, like it talks a bit about what I talked about, like Rogue, Rogue Nation, Macquarie, like really likes this franchise and really likes playing with the pieces that have already been set up in this franchise. And so when Julia shows up at the end of this movie and Ethan, they have a moment where Ethan's like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. I'm so uh, sorry. I, to be honest with you. And I, and it's because of the use of Julia in this film that made me like retroactively think about it, but credit where credits do as much as I have to say it for RSI and Kurtzman on Mission Impossible 3, the smartest thing that was done in the franchise at that point was make Ethan fall in love and get married because it changed the character going forward to not fall into Mission Impossible 2's I'm a playboy in every yes, movie. Yeah, James Bond. Yeah. So, so we dodged getting a repeat of James Bond and therefore made Ethan feel like a more sincere compassionate character because you can't you can't have him be the compassionate person they want us to believe he is if he's constantly just like passing from woman to woman in every movie very true and i think they like swerved out of the way of the bullet that mission impossible 2 was possibly heading them towards uh by making that choice and i think that was very smart to do at that moment because even if julia wasn't directly referenced in every single film um or or they weren't together in all the films the idea that that is who ethan was at heart has lingered ever since and has informed on who he is ever since mm-hmm. and is coming up again with Ilsa. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I love her in this movie and, um, you know, kind of spoiling my rankings. One of the reasons why this film is higher for me than four is mostly because of Ving Rhames, because this film, I think, accentuates that Ving Rhames is, is like, he's like the voice 
to Ethan's heart yeah, yeah. in the movies. And so when he's absent for a lot of the movie, I I do feel it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. having him here, it's one of my favorite scenes. Him and Julia? Is, is him, uh, hit, that's a good one, but okay. him and Ilsa. Oh, yeah. When he's sitting there and he's saying, oh, in the, the time I've known him, Ethan has only been serious about two women. Yeah, yeah. And he gets teared up when he's like, and the way he cares about you, I'm afraid for him, Ilsa. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really great. Yeah. I think like the way Luther cares about Ethan is what helps convince me about who Ethan is. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really, I really like that, that sequence. Ilsa's introduction in this film is so she's been tasked by MI6 to kill Lane <laughs> as a, as a test. Yeah. Um, and Proof her loyalty. I really like when, when Lane and Ethan are, are driving through the, through the streets, just the two of them in the, in the road. And after they see Ilsa, Lane has the line, that was Ilsa. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he doesn't know what's going on. And he's just like, this is, what have you done, Ethan? Yeah. Uh, uh, Ilsa and, and Ethan have a great, like, little moment, like, in between, like, uh, they're in, like, an orchard. The garden. The garden. And it's just, like, beautifully shot because it's all, you know, like, the, the symmetrical trees. And it's just, like, they have such good chemistry. And again, these are two incredible actors. And it's, like, they're saying so much without <clears throat> saying anything. <clears throat> all you have to say is, like, don't get in my way. I will go through you and well, like and they want to so see much so much the, more so much of the beginning is Ilsa is not talking yeah. Ethan is 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 gleaning what's going on by what he already knows about Ilsa MI6 and and kind of what the situation is so he he yeah. puts it together without he, her even saying a word yeah how how do you know that why are you here mm -hmm. uh yeah it's it's really good it's really good stuff from Ethan again like specifically citing the garden scene like that is that is really using Paris very well I think like yeah. both for action and for scenes like that the locations in Paris yeah are very well utilized in this film I, I think this is one of the most gorgeous of the films because of how well it uses its locations whether we're talking about like the finale with the helicopters which is beautiful cashmere that's in the or, or Paris or what have you I think like the locations look incredible in this movie in a way that like just stand out even above all the previous Mission Impossibles. Hundred percent. Even the, Red Nation. The helicopter chase scene. I was like, I was like hooting, hollering, cheering for Nate <laughs> for Nathan for Ethan to get up to um, Henry Cavill's to to Walker. Oh man, I really, it, I it, really like. I really, real quickly, Ben, because like the the. The best part about that helicopter sequence for me is always I always love it when they remind us that Ethan's crazy, um, because then there'll be because because he's like what are they what are we gonna do play rock'em sock'em robots with the with the helicopters and yes that's exactly what Ethan's going to do he is going to ram them um, first he's gonna try to drop some cargo on him and miss and then, but as soon as that doesn't work he's cover. as soon as that doesn't work he's going for him and like I love the 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 trying to get him off the tail because Ethan does it not matter what Ethan, that Ethan is also in a helicopter that will crash. He will crash into them. Also, Ethan doesn't know how to fly a helicopter. <laughs> he's, yeah. But he's so, he's just super spy. He's like, all right, got to check the altitude, check the this, got to go up. We're and good. again, I again, I love that crazy son of a bitch just being like fallible because he's like, all right, payload. And like, yeah. takes it up above, <laughs> tries to drop it, misses. Oh. And he's like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> he even has a great line. like, hold this for me. Yeah, yeah, hold that for me. And he's like, another, that was another mission accomplished yeah. moment. Just like, hold this for me. Missed ah, guy. shit. That much. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a, there's a really, this movie's just really well shot in general, but one of my favorite shots of the movie is when they lock the camera in the back of the, of the, the truck that Lane is in as it's tumbling into the water. And you, and so you don't see the, 
the car turning, you see the water turning. Inception. Yes. It's the Inception mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks really, really good. It's a great looking yeah. shot. This really is like one of the the best looking big blockbusters I've ever seen. Like uh, for real. Uh we we highlighted it in Rogue Nation a little bit, but the 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 imaginary sequence for this one where Ethan imagines uh going with them and and like trying to hang to the back, not kill that many oh, yeah, good I mean, people, yeah. police in his mind, good people, innocent people, yeah. uh, and then still ending up having to shoot a cop in the face to sell it. And he's like, I can't, I can't accept this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I new, can't do new plan. New plan. I like Walker's little character beat where he's, is it true that Lane did this? Is it true that Lane did this? Is yeah, it yeah. true that Lane did you're like, dude. Yeah. No, everything, like, dude, everything, everything you heard is true. If he's it makes like, your skin oh, crawl, it's a yes. Oh, son of a bitch. You're the guy that caught him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good reveal because nobody would know. And he's like, oh, you're the guy that caught him. Mm -hmm. right. um, there's uh, also the running chase uh, where Ethan is running after Walker. Yes. Uh, incredible Tom oh. Cruise running once again. Yeah, the like, like uh, I'm jumping from a window. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in two oh, D. Uh, sorry, left. I, I'm sorry. I had the screen flipped. Oh, I was in two D. Oh goodness. <laughs> the lady that like just like gives him like, and then like, yeah, and then the lady who's like, yeah, go for it. Jumping on the bottom of the elevator, and and Cavill just staring down at him. Yeah. Really yeah. good. Really good. He's uh, like, the, dude, like, what are you doing? <laughs> There, there's when 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 he's when he's in the the office building and then they the and then he he's like left right left okay uh and he sees the girl the girl gets up out of the chair and he's like thanks and he like throws the the chair through the window but no, the like, best no, but the best bit is what Ryan highlighted which is the the older lady just going like well you're gonna jump <laughs> yeah wait right turns it around sorry sorry I mean left. Like he's still going out a window, man. Like even earlier when he was going out a window, <laughs> or even earlier when he was like going up the stairs and and Benji's Why is like he running in circles. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> you can see this yeah. is a funny, funny movie, man. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of comedy that comes from from Benji, I, and I, I I appreciate that Benji's kind of like this, the 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 comedy, um, the comedic the comedic relief of a lot of these mm -hmm. films, but also he gets like really good moments. These, you know what? Blanket, blanket blanket statement. All these characters are really well are really well written. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think Simon Pegg gets a lot of the verbal jokes, but there's a lot of like physical physical comedy, comedy that goes on. Like uh, to to the credit of of Luther, like Benji being like, "Why do I have to pretend to be Lane?" And Luther's just saying, "They're like skinny, man. I physically cannot be yeah. this man. Technology he, is not there yet." So Benji gets to do two masks. Uh, gets to be a mess twice in this film with, and mm -hmm. you know well done payoff from the entire franchise where he's just like I get to wear a mask so many masks look at that yeah um, man we get a just a wonderful obviously like we talked about the helicopter chase but a final uh, fun confrontation with a with a uh, not a two-faced Henry Cavill but a third face Henry Cavill uh, and the, the way that he punches in this movie I just He's just like, huh, huh, huh. like it feels like if he punched me, like my I would I would explode, yeah. like like a yeah. fist of the North Star, I would literally explode. Yeah, Cavill Cavill feels big, bulky, and strong. He's waving them Superman arms around. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. I I really really like the way that the two when before like Lark is revealed to be you know what he is, just Walker and Cruz in general when they encounter each other, uh, the way that they they banter about each other's way of doing things and job and business and mm -hmm. and then of course we didn't talk about but the jump 
you know, out of the plane into Paris. Oh yeah, just an incredible scene. Uh, you know, like uh, you what? Are you afraid of lightning? <laughs> Shit, <laughs> unconscious. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot. Yeah, so he gets struck by lightning, and Ethan has to save him, and he gives him his oxygen tank. But then he wakes up, and when he lands, he's like, "Oh, it looks like you lost your oxygen tank." I'm like, oh my god, the balls on this man! Wow. <laughs> I don't even know he passed out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the, the Halo sequence is, is incredible. I love the transition from uh, uh, Letterbox to IMAX. Yes, uh, which is so good because because they they shot they shot the two kind of big stunt action sequences in IMAX, um, and and the transition to go into the Halo jump was really awesome. Yeah, the Thank first you. the first time they do it for the Halo jump and the helicopter chase, yeah. they 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 like bring the aspect ratio purposefully open, and then uh, it you lose a little bit of that effect in the helicopter one when you have to keep cutting back and forth. It does, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. um, but it looks but it still looks gorgeous. So like on my TV, who gives a shit? It's huge. It's um, uh, <laughs> um, I did want to also highlight just speaking of transitions there's some really nice ones in here that are like through smoke or ilsa walks off her hair and her hair carries the scene into the next bit a lot of really smooth flowing transitions in this one mm -hmm. uh that um, i think look really good we, we talked a little bit about julia already but um i really love that she goes to help luther yeah <clears throat> oh yeah love it I think how can i help character moment. Gets there. Mm -hmm. yeah. and just um, and just like the way the way that they play with each other and then and then luther at the end like you know, you don't, you don't deserve to be here and, and like, go be with your husband. There's nothing more you can do. Yeah. Paul. The What's yeah. the husband's name? The actor. Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley. West Bentley. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the actor. Dr. Paul. Seems like a good guy. Oh, I wonder yeah. if he won't be in the next one. Oh my God. See, I made the joke that this was his villain origin story. Yeah. <laughs> see you around, Doc. Doc. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he knows. Like, Doc yeah, he knows. Now. The second he's like, yeah, your friend over there showed up with half the Indian army. See you around. I, uh, I love, I love, like, we've had a couple of Mission Impossible movies where, like, it ends with, like, one to two seconds left. And I love that this one, it doesn't end with, like, three, two, one, and then, like, it cuts to white. And yeah. it's like, I mean, I know we didn't just, like, blow up half the world or whatever, but, like, <laughs> Like what happened? Well, and, and then, it's like it's like well, it's like it's like it's cheeky, especially coming down on the sun, yeah, to make it look like there was an explosion, yes. and then like bringing it back the in. Beautiful and you're like, no, they did it. Vista that you see, and Tom mm. like he spits out the thing that he had to bite. Like, how close were we? How close? We were always how? What does he say? Like too close? The usual. Like, the usual. As usual. Yeah. Um, Love it. The uh, when Ilsa does come back into the scene and and uh, Ethan hits her with the you know you shouldn't even be here and she's like and you should have come with me oh uh, which she is wants really, him so which bad. is really good I I really like that yeah oh, and outside um, the friction I wanted to say I wanted to say real quickly on the on the fade to white kind of sequence the at the end when they say I really appreciate that that they can't talk to each other they can't talk to Ethan he's out of range yeah. and I really appreciate that they're like I guess. I guess just on one we go, and if we're and if we're right, uh, hopefully we just gotta trust Ethan. We just gotta trust Ethan. Um, I, it's what, what other first, choice do you have? First, they're like, "All okay, right, we're gonna do it on two. Why are we gonna do it on two? Do you really want it to be that close? Like we're about yeah. to die. You we all have to agree." Yeah, it's yeah. Tense. I, I really, I really love the 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 tense the the tenseness of it, the tension of of the whole sequence, and the the, the absolute faith in Ethan Hunt that these people have. Like he he'll yeah. do it. He'll do it. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll win. We will win. 
um, the the bunker scene uh, where Hunley does catch up to the team and you get like a lot of expositional reveals. I think it's still delivered very well that like, what what even is the plan? It's like, well, Benji's going to be Lane. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he has to explain to everyone that Ilsa's on the scene because not everyone knows that Ilsa's on the scene trying to kill Lane, which he now knows. And then we get the explanation that the White Widow was part of a trap working with the CIA and all yep. that. I think that's all done very, very well. Baldwin's like, really really good in this but i mean it's a shame they killed him yeah it is i liked having a secretary we could reference to yeah yeah me too Ooh, i wonder if we're gonna do a new celebrity uh secretary for the next movie i wonder if it's kittredge oh he comes back around i don't know because he's in he's in dead reckoning would he be the secretary now i don't think you could become a secretary 20 years after you've been the secretary (coughs) well he wasn't the secretary before he was just the director of imf oh oh that's fair that's fair so he could have gotten a promotion and now he hates the IMF. Or yeah, he could be or, a bad guy. Why was the director of IMF working in the CIA? Which one? Uh, him, Kittredge. Kittredge wasn't CIA. He was IMF. He was IMF. No, I know. I'm saying, why was he in the CIA building? Oh, he's because in the building when they're stealing the list. Yeah, because this, the 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 IMF has in in that in in that first movie, like in the show, the IMF is supposed to be a division of the CIA. Right. Yeah, I, I thought that was the case, right? Like they're operating out of the CIA. Yeah, and now yeah. we're supposed to believe that they've been extracted. Yeah, they've been they, they have their own room. office space now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um yeah, it, uh, um no, I don't know. Uh yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say about this film actually. I no, I've I've fought the friction enough. I think it's great. I'm, I'm just scrolling through some of my notes. Like, yeah, yeah. like it's it's highlighting Michelle Monaghan being excellent. I'm so glad that she got to have this like comeback and closure with Ethan's story. A I good send I think it's really, really good. I think it makes a lot of sense and it keeps a lot of, it retains a lot of the heart and humanity yeah. of who Ethan's been since she showed up. And I love that like Ethan, like you feel, you see the guilt that he has. Like, and he starts crying like, Julia, I'm so sorry. And it's like, Ethan, nothing happened because you were here. Yeah. Like, like, re- like, like I, I, this is my life, but I know I'm safe because of you. So like, I actually, I don't have to worry because I know you're always there to protect me, even if we're not together for 10 years at this point. Like it's that's, kind of, that's, that's beautiful. dude. It's a really yeah. interesting way to frame Ethan because she, um, she's like, the world is safer because you're in it. And I know that because I know you're in it, I will feel safe forever. And I really like that kind of character beat and framing of Ethan because Ethan is, is this lunatic who will just do whatever it takes to save the world. Oh, yeah. um, and and it, he's, he is the goodest man in the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> he's, crazy um, man. he's the goodest crazy man. And you're just like, yeah, I, I believe it. Like people will, people will never know what he does for them, but they yeah. are safer because he's there. Oh, it, it's crazy to think like how far Lane went to hurt Ethan. Lane set up an entire like humanitarian effort thing in, in Kashmir to get Julia there. That's like, that is some like, that is some like eighth level thinking like, holy shit, that's yeah. a lot of work to get like the doctors on, uh, without borders involved in that shit. Yeah. Like, man, Lane, you are sadistic. That's a villain, dude. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to highlight the <clears throat> action beats for uh, Ilsa and um, Benji in fighting uh, Lane uh, in the cabin. Yeah, I think that yeah. that's a really great action scene. Uh, the two of them teaming up against him. It feels really, really 
down and dirty and, and Benji and, holding his own for a little bit, but then no, he's you're not quite and, the spy. And and desperate and like, you know, like Lane's got the bits like when he's getting the yeah. uh, peg on the on the rope and he's got like one where he like kicks down the rope to pull Benji straight to the floor. Oh, that hurt. There's a lot of really good good beats in there and I really like their cooperation together and it and it gives Ilsa an opportunity again to like be a badass. Hell yeah. Which mm-hmm. is really I like cool. that I like that Benji can hold his own, right? He's not the spy that Ethan is, but he's not afraid to get into that fight for what's right. Right, um, he's not the. He also can't. He can't match the the head of the syndicate. No, <laughs> no, no. But what I do love about Benji is that actually a lot of the the members on the team, or even like throughout the movies, is that they're never like the stereotypical person. Like Luther, that yeah, Luther and Benji, they're both big tech guys, but. Benji wants to go out in the field. Normally, whenever a tech person goes into the field, the agent, like the seasoned agent, is like, "Oh, you tech guys, you're always going to slow me down. You're lame yeah. and whatever." <laughs> you know, they can't hold themselves in the fight. Seeing Benji's character go from the dude in in the computer chair to "I'm in the field, I'm kicking ass, getting my ass kicked sometimes," but he's still out there kicking ass and taking names. And mm-hmm. Luther also being out there fighting the good fight as well. It. I don't know why, but I just really enjoy that because you always see, like, a lot of times in media, you see computers being computers or stuff on a computer. They're like doing the whole typing thing. Whereas in this one's like, yeah, their technical um, prowess helps, and they're there still ready to fight. They, it's not, it's not like, oh, I don't like violence. I don't have, I can't fight. It's more like, damn it, and they put their stuff down and they're ready to go. <clears throat> For sure. Um, also, we got to highlight that that absolute badass beat of the the hook to the face that pulls Ooh. Cavill to his fiery oh, demise. Yeah. I didn't remember because yeah. I, I remember like I remember the cliff stuff, and I know he falls off, but like maybe, you hear it, maybe he survives. No chunk, you no. hear that? You hear that thing land That's in, in the that skull, skull and pull him to his death. <laughs> Essentially, the, hel- the helicopter or the the remains of the helicopter was get over here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. The the whole the whole uh, rock climbing sequence is so tense because you're like J- I've seen the movie before and I'm like get get up there Ethan get up there climb faster the 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 make of any again movies that like I rewatch and like you can still make me feel just as intense and like and feel tense like even though I know the outcome it's just really good filmmaking right um and like McCory just has just a grasp on what this franchise like what he thinks it should be and it's working so i'm so glad i'm getting at least two more of these movies guaranteed yeah mccory has such an interesting way of looking at this franchise where he he looks at it as an organic being um mm-hmm. i don't know how much of you got any of you guys have heard him talking probably ryan has has quite a bit but he i do recommend real quick like McCory does like epic like six hour spoiler cast on every Mission Impossible movie with with the Empire podcast. Like I super recommend you guys listening to it. He goes into every detail. It is so fascinating. He will talk about uh, he will talk a lot about like you know we wrote it into the script, but Mission has its own has a mind of its own. So if it's not working, it will tell you. And he has this whole idea that like what a Mission Impossible film needs to be, the film will tell you what it is. Um, yeah. you ha- and you have to be willing to follow what the film wants to tell you. Right. Uh, I find that such an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, it feels like for a, for a franchise that is quite complicated, it really feels like kind of like go with the flow in terms of making the story. Um, and you build it out as you go instead of like, oh, we have an endpoint in mind. Uh, and that's just like I think makes for really engaging engaging Again, material. It, it goes back to like Solomon Lane was supposed to was supposed to die at the end of the film. It, the, 
the impossible films didn't want it to didn't want that to happen so you you'd be willing to follow what yeah. the story wants what this what this what, what the white story is going to be and the film will tell you what that is yeah uh i do want to highlight i think one of the most important lines we've had in the franchise is from from bassett at the end which is uh we need people like you to care about the one life as much as they care about the millions. So I never have to. Yeah. Because I'm soulless. <laughs> Which is so, but it's also so definitional of Ethan. It's ever, you know, like it's highlighting that, that like Ethan does both. Yeah. Um, it's on either or like, you know, it's, it's Ethan does both. Yeah. Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's really good. I will say that like, there's something about the ending that does feel like it kind of rushes us out of there. Sure. Something about like the overlay of Angela Bassett's narration while we're getting like the sum up of the team looking at each other and like, yeah, we did it. And yeah, then yeah. it's like credits. And I'm like, oh, all right, I guess That's we're true. done. Yeah. It's just a little abrupt, but like the movie's oh, great. We so. haven't talked about it for this movie. I think the music in this movie is incredible. Yes. I the, think the music is is uh, it's just I think it's I think it's the same composer as the last movie. I didn't look it up. I could uh, be wrong. Uh, I got Whether it is or not, I think this is a substantial upgrade from the last movie. Like whoever this composer is is obviously not a Giacchino as well, but this movie has so much variation in, in types of Mission Impossible themes, and the doodle little 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 loo is throughout the entire movie. Elsa's theme throughout the entire movie. I think like next to Giacchino, like this is the best. This is the best score for this movie. I think or for this franchise. Lauren Balf, I believe, is his name. Uh, um, yeah, um, and it was Joe Kramer on Rogue okay. Nation, so it's okay. a different one. Okay, this um, one is I, I, this is my my second favorite. Well, next, you'll be uh, happy to know he's composing Dead Reckoning. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think Fallout has a very good score. It's it's a Ghost Protocol and and this one I think have the best scores of the yeah. franchise yeah. for sure. It's for real. The it's the piano that do 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 do. And I was like, oh, that's so spy like. I, love I think it. I think one of the reasons besides Giacchino just being like a known name and a genius, uh, like you know just a standout with his his jazz orchestrations, why Ghost Protocol, uh, is so impressive to me is because you had him in three and then you heard him like. Step up on four, and and like, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that I think the score here is is really, really excellent, really excellent. After rewatching these films and kind of knowing the trajectory of why this happened, I'm really upset that the Bond films decided to go the way of the Bourne films and not the way of the Mission Impossible films. Yeah, because I think I'm so kind of sad that like. Born changed the spy genre so so distinctly that it became indistinguishable to action films. But Mission Impossible was able to walk that line so successfully for so many years through the Born uh, phase of filmmaking and continues to be its own identity uh, in the spy genre with gadgets and with fun and with high stakes and with great action. Like I I, I hope for the next Bond franchise that they take cues from Mission. Yeah, I think that I think that's very likely to happen too, right? Like you'll yeah. probably get something that's some kind of blend between like what John Wick has brought to action films and this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. because like these are definitional of this moment in film. Yeah. You know, and like Just, it depends it depends on how soon we get our next bond, right? But like Daniel Craig's era suffers from a decision to to go uh, you know, gritty and to go towards what you're describing, like the born stuff. And like, it can't, even when it decided it wanted to, it couldn't quite escape that identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And and like, I just feel <clears throat> like, like bottom line, don't, don't run away from the gadgets. That's part of the fun of watching these films. And the, the, the Craig Bond films, very light on gadgets, almost nothing. Um, yep. But like, you know, you know, Ethan Hunt is, is has gadgets that they would have given Pierce Brosnan if he had continued as Bond. Like he, for sure, such 
cool and fun gadgets. And what do we talk about with Rogue Nation? The memorable, the, a lot of these gadgets are super cool and memorable. Like that, that's part of the fun of talking about these spy films is, is these cool gadgets. Yeah. I like Fallout. I, I think that Ro this isn't a slight on Fallout. I think Rogue Nation does have like some of the best. Yeah. Like yes. we just have, a, we have a, I feel like we have a actual buffet of gadgetry that we see in Rogue Nation. Like we do see some good stuff here. Um, I, I don't mean to, to no, say No, it's we definitely don't, less. But like Rogue yeah, yeah. Nation has like, there's so much on the table there. That's yeah. like, oh my God, look at all these wonderful, wonderful gadgets we're using. All yeah. of our favorite toys. The, uh, every film introduces a new way to make masks. Very funny. I think it's yes. cool. Yeah. Um, this one, this one got broke because Henry Cavill smashed <clears throat> his face with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, anything else you want to say about this one? I, I just, I'm, I'm one. I'm so glad that we got to do this, watch all these movies again. Cause like, I think, I think uh, uh, it's just a great franchise and like, it's really cool. Like, you know, being online, like, Everybody's doing it. Everybody's this is doing so, it. This, this is something this I, is, I have to say. This is something I've enjoyed about all our franchises this year. It yeah. happened with Scream and it happened with Indiana Jones and it's happening now with Mission Impossible. Yeah. Every, a whole bunch of people online also did the same thing we're doing and revisited <laughs> the films. And so they're having these conversations about, damn, these movies are good. Yeah, specifically, like, Rogue Nation and Fallout. There's so many clips. I'm like, damn, these movies do rule. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm in the reviews for, for the new one are out. Spoilers. It's good. I'm hearing really good things. So, like, I'm, I'm so jazzed. Again, even if McCory said, like, he wants to do more. We're getting at least two more of these movies at this list quality level. Like, give me a break, dude. We're so blessed. So, hashtag blessed. Rate it. I'll give ten. This is. I think this is a, a a perfect action movie. Like, I this is like like a John Wick two situation where like I I have almost no faults and any faults I have are so minuscule they they you don't even notice them for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a ten. Oh yeah, it's a ten for sure. Um, this is the one that like. I think I can't find a bad thing about this movie. Like it, I think it hits on every level that it should. It, it, I think it has truly captured what a mission impossible movie can do at its best. And again, like I really love ghost protocol. Um, mm -hmm. I find it incredibly entertaining, but a, a weaker villain and a lack of Ving Rhames puts it underneath fallout for me. Uh, ben rate it. I would say 9.5 only because that needle is just still like going dee, 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 dee. it's like jumping between 9.5 and 10 so big this, score, baby. i mean Good. this was still my first time watching it and i loved this movie i had i had a blast it was this and rogue nation to me they're like a nice cohesive whole story and i am super excited for dead reckoning now i'm actually i did not know that um uh the white widow was going to be back in dead reckoning now i'm like excited because i kind of like her I'm mm -hmm. really happy oh, yeah. with a lot of the the characters keep coming back because it makes the show feel more like um, an ensemble. It makes the, the 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 movie feel more like an ensemble piece, and I yeah. appreciate that. Absolutely. Now, if we can only get Paula Patton back, dude, I'm uh, dude, There's no way Paula Patton and did jo did Jonathan Reese Myers, the Irish guy, did he die? No, he's alive. he's alive. Okay, I don't need him as much. But I need Paula Patton back yesterday. No, I don't. I don't need Jonathan Reese Myers and Maggie Q back as much as I enjoy them. Yeah, I I do really like Paula Patton's character. Yeah, and I could use her coming back. I I could use Renner back too if he he wanted to. Like I, I wouldn't mind it. Like it's yeah. It, it, there's good use for those characters. I don't know if they'll be like in Dead Reckoning Part One. That kind of feels like a ending the franchise kind of thing. But like mm. it could they could show for fun for like they don't need to do that as much as possible. Do what you want. I'm just yeah. so excited for Dead Reckoning. It's out. It comes out tomorrow. 
Renner and Paula Patton are on my wish list of characters come back. Hey, if we could get Kittredge back, we can get anyone. Yeah, back. see, that's the thing. We got anything, anything can happen. We got MI one guy back. Oh, we can get anybody. Hell yeah. I was I say it's a nine once more. Um do we want to rank them? Can't yes. should we? Okay, so we, let's do we it. touch base last time, so we know we know that the ranking was four, three, one, two. We yes. all agreed yes. last yeah. time that that's where things are. Yeah. So where do these two fit now? I uh, I can't say it out loud. I mean I I mean I have to write it down or else I'll be confused. We all we all know what the titles are, so you can go ahead and yeah, use yeah. the numbers, guys, just for efficiency's <sighs> sake. I can go first because I know what it is. It's six, four, five, three, one, two. I that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, five, three, so, one, yeah. two. I like Fallout the best, and then it, and then it's, and then it's Ghost Protocol, and then it's Rogue Nation. Yeah. Um, ben. Six, five, four, three, one, two. Yep, Six, that's five, yep. Four, three, one, two. Okay, yeah. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm here. Okay, so it's so it's Ghost Protocol at the number one spot. And then it's at the number two spot, uh, Fallout, Rogue Nation, three and one. That's and then in the... <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> I can make no decisions about that's my, that, every that's movie. That's my bullshit. Brandon's pulling my bullshit right now. Yeah. Uh, no, it, 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 so it's, it's four. I think, I think it's I think I'm pretty good with four, six, five, three, one, two. We're all we're all the same except for like just like top ones. Yeah. They're all they're all good. These are all And good. again and again like really like uh the the middle the middle four can like s- switch at any moment cuz I really like yeah. all these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um all right. we, we, what we what we all agreed across the board is that Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation and Fallout are all just Bangers, bangers, bangers. Like, absolutely yeah. great films. God. What a fun time! Four, five, six is just like a great, like, you want to watch the greatest, like, spy trilogy. It's just like, bam, like, incredible stuff. Ben, I'm so glad you got to go through these, yeah, uh, and that you're ready for Dead Reckoning with us. This I'm is ready. such fun. Um, I'm thrilled genuinely that we get uh to experience this next one I together. Me, Me too. I'm really excited. I was really sad that we're gonna. we couldn't review Fallout together, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad we're gonna get to do Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Five years ago, crazy. Um, okay, shall we get into a book club then? Mm-hmm.